the official uh, curriculum. the curriculum of, of any university. You'll only find a proper exposition of it um, here. Okay. Uh, so I, I hope all of that was, was quite clear. Um, it's, this, it's not a particularly difficult concept to understand. And this is just an extension, really, of what we were doing yesterday. Okay, so you can think about it. You can think about some kind of system. And you had the, the capital, labor, and debt. Okay. Um, the first lecture we looked at incremental changes to output from adding one unit of marginal labour. Second lecture yesterday was me doing the same procedure with capital. And there we had the exact definition of marginal productivity of capital in a similar vein to marginal productivity of debt. You look at the total output caused by the application of one unit of capital relative to the cost of that marginal unit of capital. And then finally, we went through debt, marginal productivity of debt. Now, uh, these are just the main factors uh, that one would look at. You might have many more. You might look at the marginal productivity of something completely new. But that's the whole point about this form of analysis. We're not assuming that output is solely from these three um, facets. If there's another facet that we think has an influence on output, well then the same exercise can be uh, done again. You know, so there's nothing to restrict this form of analysis. Um, obviously you have to take into account how other things might be influencing the variable that you're trying to look at. And that is this whole point about keeping one, changing one thing, but keeping everything else the same. And doing it for each of the variables that you want to look at. Okay? So, there we have it. Marginal productivity of debt. Negative in 2006, if not already a lot more negative as Keith was saying, if you aggregate everything as you truly should be aggregating it. Um, and so the consequence of further deficits, further monetization, uh, is not going to be um, beneficial. It's not going to have any nominal increase to total output. Maybe that will take two or three years to see in um, obvious fashion, but um, the signs are already there. 
And as Professor said, there's difference between the way that people aggregate all of the, these figures. Some people have yet to see it go negative. They're sort of saying 2015. If you look at the data as it's presented from the, um, from the Treasury, we went negative for the first time in 2006. Um, at the moment, though, uh, we're, we're positive at uh, half. So um, for each dollar of debt put into the system, apparently we get uh, half a dollar of um, extra output. Um, but I, I wouldn't believe that at the moment. Actually, I think there's, if I can interject, I think there's an analogy to a black hole mm. and the event horizon mm. of one. Once you get to less than one, you have the dilemma that every additional dollar is producing less than a dollar of GDP. And of course, if you stop the borrowing, then GDP is going to fall further, so they have to keep doing it. Once you fall below one, I think the spiral into the uh, singularity at the center is, is a given, unless you change the game in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we will be talking about how you, you, you should change the game. And um, it involves gold bonds. But that's not the, uh, the topic of this. A very large part of this problem is, of course, the uh, explosion of debt, the absolute number, which shows the magnitude of the debt. And we actually put our finger on the reason for this, because gold has been forcibly removed from the system in 1973. Well, the date you can't pinpoint it, because when first Nixon announced that the uh, he's going to default on the short-term debt, international debt of the United States, the impression was given that this is a temporary measure. We might go back to gold. We are not throwing gold out yet. So it took another two years. It was not clear which way the cat will jump. And in 1973, they officially announced that gold was being eliminated from the system, from the international monetary system. And as a consequence, we know, and the amazing thing is that economists at the time didn't even look at this problem, but we know that if you remove gold, you are removing the only ultimate extinguisher of that. Because if there is no gold, what they call repayment of that is not really a repayment. It's just shifting that. So if I was indebted and I paid whatever, check or Federal Reserve notes or euros or yens, this uh, was only a shift. I have unloaded my burden, but it didn't disappear. It is now a burden carried by the bank, which uh, uh, gave me this checking account. Or the bank could pass it on to the Federal Reserve. Well, ultimately, 
it is all being kicked upstairs to the U.S. Treasury because the U.S. Treasury guarantees the Federal Reserve Banks and the Federal Reserve Banks guarantee not only the U.S. banks but also foreign central banks which keep their reserves in U.S. Treasury paper. So that is not being reduced, total debt in the world. It can only increase. Now this is pretty incredible, isn't it? That they tamper with the mechanism which worked for hundreds of years and remove the ultimate extinguisher of debt and they think that we can live happily ever after. This is, this is really what is going on. So that's why the picture is so uh, dim. Not at all promising, no way out. I think it's worth emphasizing here that when, when we say ultimate extinguisher of debt, that doesn't mean that under an unadulterated gold standard, as, as we call it, that doesn't mean that the majority of payments volume of payments are made in gold coin. Not at no, all. No, no. It's the ultimate extinguisher of debt, not the only extinguisher of debt. So, I, if I had a debt with an individual, I would be more than happy to take fine gold bills of exchange as a payment uh, rather than gold coin. Maybe, maybe a bond, probably negotiate a bit more on the face value. But the point is that the majority of payments, the vast, vast majority of payments under an unadulterated gold standard would not be done in gold coin. They would be done in a claim to gold coin, which matured with pretty much guaranteed results. But that's exactly what they've removed. And that's what they've removed. You know, gold is a silent witness. Only at the margin. Did it really move around? And the whole thing about an, un uh, an unadulterated gold standard is that if everything is denominated and measured in terms of gold, it forces physical gold into circulation because no one who's sane would want to keep physical gold coin over a fine bill of exchange. You know, it's an earning asset. The last thing you want is a large balance of gold sovereigns, you know, unless you're in the process of hoarding, again, which there's no problem with. I've got no problem with hoarding. Hoarding is an integral part of the, the interest, uh, interest rate mechanism. mechanism, you know, but so that's just one thing to bear in mind. If you read somewhere that a gold standard is not practical, those people don't understand what a true gold standard um, is. Okay, Louis? Yeah, I just want to make uh, a point. I think um, that's important. Um, when you say gold is the ultimate extinguisher of that, you mean without loss. You mean what? Without loss. Without loss. Because. Oh, yeah, other, well, that's. No, but I think, you know, the, the other way to extinguish that is to default. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
you know, debt, what matters in debt is who pays for it. I, I think that's like <laughs> saying, always the, the only way out of this building is to uh, use the front door. Of course, if a meteor were to strike this building and we all die, that's another way to leave. <laughs> Not necessarily the preferable way. Well, it, it ruins your credit. Well, it will be interesting if you say later on we'll have a, a lecture on how do we um, uh, move on to uh, reset. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I would, I'm, I'm adding this very quickly here. Don't believe anything that you read about a gold standard unless it's from one of us because they don't they don't they don't, they don't I'm, I, I'm you're all laughing I'm not laughing okay they don't understand they really don't understand what we mean by a gold standard and frankly I have no idea what they mean by a gold standard so that's good as far as um, as far as I'm concerned I've been reading a lot that they want to peg the US dollar to gold and you know I mean I don't want to do that none of us here want to do that and that I think we'd conclude would be utter failure at some point so stick to us been there, done that. that didn't work <laughs> didn't work <laughs> now the underlying philosophy of the uh, official economics as it's being taught at universities today, is that the U.S. dollar is the ultimate extinguisher of that because you can always roll it over. So when the debt matures, it's just a matter of bookkeeping to print new bonds and put a more distant maturity date, and that can go on forever. Now, what is different today is that we have a proof now, which everybody can look at and evaluate it, that the so-called sovereign debt crisis is just a denial of that axiom. The government cannot abuse that in this way. Just roll it over forever and don't worry because the government has the power to create value out of nothing. So right now what they talk about is the sovereign debt crisis in Europe, especially in Euroland, but also in Britain and those countries which are outside of the European community. But watch for the day when the headlines will talk about the sovereign debt crisis of the United States, because that's the end of the road the buck stops right there. But they are not yet talking about it, only Europe. Because the European governments are irresponsible, they are lying like Greek government or Spanish or Irish or whatever. You see, 
But in the United States, they know the rules and they stick with it and so on and so forth. You see, <laughs> if, if it was possible to uh, create an ultimate extinguisher of that paper money in the United States, it would be possible to create, the, the, make the euro that way, make the yen that way. <coughs> but this is the proof now, and you can just look at it, look at the evidence and see what is happening. There will be a sovereign debt crisis of the United States as well. And it's just a matter of time, and not a long period of time either. I think uh, you can add to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think the interesting thing to observe, and it probably has uh, surprised a lot of um, America bashers, is A, how strong the dollar is at the moment against the other currencies and B, how it has actually, uh, all of these crises have initiated outside of the United States first and are, are being drawn towards it, okay? Never was it the case that America collapsed and then the world collapsed, okay? The world is collapsing around America and America is going to be the last one to collapse, as Professor said. But when America collapses, I don't know whether we'll already be in ruins, you know, in Europe, you know, but that will be the end of the game, full stop. And uh, we're approaching it, um, we're approaching it very quickly, very, very quickly indeed. So, America being the last one to go through this, as I think they will, France, Italy, Spain will all have, will all be in destitution before America is, in my view. This is to do with the fact that the dollar has a slower declining marginal utility than any other currency. Even though it is still declining, it's declining at a much lower rate for the dollar than it is for um, any other currency. Um, and that's part of the reason why the euro is trading at 125 or whatever it is against the, uh, against the dollar, when the majority of people would have expected it to have been at 2 by now. Is, is the euro now stronger or Marginally. Marginally. I mean, it, having fallen like that, it's just mm -hmm. done that. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. not. Since late July, the euro has rallied against the dollar. It was a dollar twenty in around July twenty, and now it's a dollar twenty-six. What was the lowest? A dollar twenty. That was the absolute. This year. This year. Oh, this year. Was no, the no, lower uh, earlier? I think in two thousand eight it was lower, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was a dollar we sixteen or something. We were below par in two thousand or ninety-nine when yeah, it first it was started. Eighty cents. Yeah, eighty eighty cents was the all-time low. Really? Yeah, That's 1999. Cool. That was in 99, wasn't it, or 2000? Uh, well, sure. Well, there was no. Yeah. 
fell off. No, when it was first introduced, it fell below par to 80 cents. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So well, that's the early history. That's the early history, yeah. yeah. And then it established itself at a moment. What was the... Uh... The peak was 136? 140. 140. 140. Yeah. 140. 140 something. 40 something. Yeah, 40 something. Yeah. Anyway, currencies have nothing to do with that. Rudy. Uh, Sandy, looking at this circle, Capital is kind of in two forms. One is invested capital, the real machinery, the physical stuff, and then there's cash lying around. Mm. But actually that cash is also debt, or debt back. Yes. So, so this makes it a little bit... So my point, my question is, you say U.S. will be the last. Mm. What about China? I mean, China's got real capital, real wealth. It's all, all the manufacturing's gone there. And their currency potentially could outlast the dollar. I don't know. I'm just yeah, I, I mean, might do. But I'm just thinking that they've got how many trillions of dollars worth of U.S. treasuries mm. in their bank vaults. So they've got the landmine in their vault. Yeah, and I don't know how they've pyramided that. They must have pyramided that locally somehow. It, it's starting to come out, by the way, regarding China, just how. Uh, crooked their banking system is and just how much bad debt is piled on top of bad debt is piled on top of bad debt because it's all centrally commanded. The central government says to the provinces you will attain a GDP growth rate of X and then the provinces borrow money, order the banks to lend them money and then they fund these uh, projects for which there's no real demand. That's starting to hit now and that may give the answer to your question in the next couple of months. Just to how bad the problem is. It's all mere speculation on currencies because it's based on the existing nature of the currencies and that could change at any moment in any country. And, and who knows what the Chinese have done with their paper reserves. They've probably already swapped it for commodities in Africa. You know, why not? <laughs> well, someone must own them. Whoever owns whatever, whoever they swapped it with, be be careful with them. <laughs> Don't have them as your counterparty. <laughs> um, so there we have it. Um, we're coming up to uh, eleven o'clock. Um, yeah, you want you wanted to ask a quick question. Yeah. Questions are meant to be okay. wait uh, at, uh, at the end of, but we'll make an exception. Go. Thank you. Um, is your definition of money an extinguisher of debt? Ultimate. Then, rather than, okay, an ultimate extinguisher of debt rather than a medium of exchange. If that is the case, then why? Medium of exchange, to me, is just a consequence of that. It's, it's not, it's not... Uh, Professor, how would you define money? Most marketable uh, good there is. Most marketable good. Now, medium of exchange, ultimate extinguisher of debt, you could say is a consequence of that. Really? I would say medium of exchange is one of the functions of money. That's carrying value in a horizontal sense from one place to another. In a vertical sense, it's carrying value into the future. And as a numeraire, that's its third function, yeah. but not the, data, not the definition. Okay, and the second question is if you uh, call gold, then can you really call gold an ultimate extinguisher of debt? Because in, in the case of the collapse of the financial system and, and therefore the division of labor and People will have to, um, uh, their money will not be not worth anything, and they'll 
they would rather get potatoes and, and salt and trade whatever with, with local farmers rather than gold. Uh, I mean, I agree that gold would become, in a world of division of labor and, and, and no fear of currencies, gold would become the best money. But can you really say is the ultimate extinguisher of gold? I mean, it gives it such an absolute value which, which it, it doesn't necessarily have. It is dependent on the subjective. Um, First of all, I mean, you should separate being hungry from having a debt, you know. Of course, if you're hungry, then the, you, but that's not a debt, you know. The only thing that will extinguish that is having food. You know, I, it's, it's, it's yeah, no, beyond no, I, that. If, 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 I, if I have some tools and the other person has some, some milk, and, uh, well, well, I don't have any tools, and, 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 and he gives me milk, then I owe him something. Mm. Yeah, but he doesn't necessarily want gold. He might want some tools. So can you really give it such an absolute? Well, if you, if you borrowed a cup of sugar, if I borrowed a cup of sugar from the professor, it would be unusual if I paid him back in gold coin. Yeah. Okay. Of course, because it's big. <laughs> you know, uh, but paying back in sugar is acceptable. All I'm saying is that it's the ultimate. All we're saying is it's the ultimate. If you have a debt. And I'm not talking about if you have a debt and you're starving, okay? If you have a debt and you're co uh, if you have a debt owed to you, and you're comfortable, you're leading a bourgeois existence. Otherwise, you know, then it will be gold. That's the ultimate. Yeah. If I can just interject here, ultimate. I, I just I just think it's missing to say ultimate because it gives such absolute value and which... Let me, let me just interject here. Ultimate, that it's always valid. Ultimate does not mean we're comparing gold to sugar or gold to milk. Ultimate means we're comparing gold to the bond. We're comparing gold to a real bill. And both of those, ultimately, i.e. at the end of the day, those things have to be settled in terms of gold. That's what ultimate means. It doesn't mean that gold is better than sugar, gold is better than wheat. It is, that's a separate discussion of why those are not the most marketable good. In this context, ultimate extinguisher means if I temporarily, if I extinguish my debt to the professor by giving him a bill, and he extinguishes his debt to Sandeep by giving him a bond, at the end of the day, those must be settled in gold. That's what ultimate means. It means at the end of the day. Does that, does that make sense? There's no counterparty liability. Well, this is just a rhetorical, semantic disagreement. That's all. Well, I think that the last thing he said is there's no counterparty to gold. And that's what he meant ultimately at the end of the line, at the end of the day, when the debt travels around. What happens to it? Does it hang around forever and keep growing, or is it extinguished? And then you can say gold is the best extinguisher of debt. In reality, any present good could extinguish debt. You could send over 10 tons of sugar to extinguish that monetary debt, but who want that? Or you could use silver, which is also pretty good, but again, if it's a large debt, you would put a lot of it. So the best one, in a way, we didn't talk about that, but also by ultimately means in a time, in a way that, where does it end? Where does the debt end? And there is gold sitting around and hidden in people's little holes in their backyards or sitting in the vault gathering dust when it should be doing its job, which is to ultimately extinguish all this debt. That's what he means that. Once, once, the gold coin, once the gold coin is paid, there is no more debt. Right. 
That, that's not a matter of semantics, and that cannot be debated. If I owe you money and I give you gold, nobody owes anybody any money. Yeah, yeah, of course. No money is owed anymore. The debt goes out of existence. Yeah, of that's what ultimate extinguisher debt means. Nothing more than that. Okay, we've, we've hit uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a half hour coffee break and uh, back at 11.30 for Professor's second morning lecture on... Uh, Ludwig, would you like to make the announcement now or at the beginning of... We can make the announcement by now. Uh, yeah, make it now. There is going to be um, the awarding 